Hey there, quick question. Are you happy with your job? Like really, really happy? No? Well, you're not the only one. All over the world, people are feeling uneasy about their jobs. They're frustrated, they're quiet quitting, they're quitting for real. But what if I told you that the future of work was full of new opportunities? What if I told you that new work, this thing we've been dreaming about since basically forever, was about to become a reality? Get ready to find out why I feel so optimistic about the future of work. I'm Ricardia Bramley, and this is Future Dimensions, a podcast by Mercedes-Benz. Before we dive into the episode, let's start with a little tour of the not-so-distant future. Hey, Mercedes! Imagine I'm an office worker at a multinational corporation, one that uh, sells electric vehicles, maybe. Tell me about my workday 20 years from now. Sure, hop on in, let's go. Tuesday, May 18th, 2043. The Global Employer Alliance, GEA, has asked its members to introduce the 28-hour work week. The decision was preceded by years of debate. Fears over losses in productivity were proven unfounded and offset by employing artificial general intelligence across sectors. Burnout symptoms decreased, and workers reported a significant increase in overall happiness. They also... Hey, Mercedes, did you catch that? They sealed the deal. It's about time they got that initiative rolling. All right, in other news, what's up for my seven-hour work schedule today? Ricardia, you tend to forget. It's not called work anymore. You entered a collegial partnership with your company, remember? Ah, yes, how could I forget? We'll always take good care of one another, in good times and in bad, for better or worse. You're right. That was the other partnership you entered. Collegial partnership means that your firm is committed to invest in your work-life balance and mental health. Further benefits include an intelligent virtual assistant, which is me. Duh, I was just messing with you. But thanks for clarifying, buddy. You're the best intelligent virtual assistant out there. Smarter than I, possibly. Although, you could up your irony game a little bit. I'll get right on that, Ricardia. Here's your schedule. First up is a check-in with your new colleague from Brazil. I arranged a space at your favorite Metaverse coffee place and will be acting as your interpreter. You can partake while I'm driving you to the office. Then, there's your presentation on immersive communication channels. Wait, that was moved to today? Geez, I'm not even done with my slides. I'm a busy bee when it comes to finishing tasks. I finished the slides and spiced up your introduction, too. Ah, you're the best. Was I supposed to hand in my travel expenses? Consider it done. You can head out early tonight. Amazing! Now, off to that Metaverse meeting. Okay, so we're talking about the future of work today. And let's recap what we just heard on our quick cruise to 2043. Working with global teams in digital spaces and relying on intelligent virtual assistants to take over our unwanted tasks. But techies are saying it isn't out of reach. I think that technology 
absolutely can make people work more efficiently, fewer hours, get done more with less. That was Alexandra Levitt, one of the experts I talked to for this episode. Alexandra is a journalist, consultant, and futurist. She has written extensively about the future of work and helps individuals and organizations navigate the changing world of work. And she'll enlighten us on what's shaking up the world of work as we know it. But that's not all. We're going to find out how we can make the most of the virtual spaces we'll be increasingly working in. Because as it turns out, VR glasses and a controller won't be enough to make you excel at work. Felix Seltner knows what it takes. The entrepreneur with a background in journalism hosts a virtual talk show called Remote Daily, which is also the name of his company. I think what our mission is as a company is, you know, helping people to to feel better at work and, and to actually find work. Felix is very much committed to making concepts like new work, well, his work. And since we're on it, what's up with that term, new work? What does that even mean? Let's brush up on our Economics 101 skills, shall we? Hey, Mercedes, what is new work? Always happy to help, Ricardia. New work is a term coined in the late 1970s, challenging traditional work practices. It emphasizes the importance of individual fulfillment, self-determination, and a balanced work-life relationship. The focus is thus no longer on productivity, but on personal development, sense, and vocation. Uh-oh, we've been talking about this since the 70s? Granted, the term has expanded because of globalization and digitalization, and it's still pretty zeitgeisty today. After all, we still want individual fulfillment, self-determination, and a balanced work-life relationship, right? But if you look at the stats, browse headlines, or just talk to colleagues and friends, you might get the impression that we're still decades away from this new work utopia right now. Mercedes? Let me give you two examples. In the US, searches on Google for burnout symptoms reached their peak in 2022. And a recent Gallup survey said that 18% of workers in Germany had no emotional attachment to their employer and have already quit on the inside. 18%? I guess quiet quitting has always been a thing, but never in numbers this high. If you're at the office or in a Zoom call right now, get this. One in five people around you are bored and only do what they have to. Oh, so those aren't bots on my screen. Those are just people who couldn't care less about this meeting. Either way, according to Alexandra, they could, in fact, be setting healthy boundaries. I don't know if I would define it as quiet quitting. I think it's just people are not um, treating their jobs like they're more important than the rest of their lives. Um, okay, that's an interesting way to look at it. I had to ask Alexandra to elaborate. I think that every time there's a, like, an inflection point in society and like a major event that causes people to reevaluate their lives as a whole, people will take a step back and say, oh my gosh, I spend so much of my time at work. I really want to reevaluate whether I'm doing something that's meaningful to me, that is um, something that is helping me achieve my not just professional goals, but my personal goals as like a human being. And I think that is in fact what happened with COVID is that everyone took a step, collective step back and said, is this really what I'm meant to be doing? Pursuing your personal goals as a human being versus human doing maybe? 
But it's not just about quality. It's also about quantity. We're questioning the number of hours we clock in every week. The nature of what we define as full-time employment is even changing here in the U.S. Um, because I think typically full-time employment has meant like work as much as you possibly can all the time. And now it's kind of like, no, not really. And that is a massive cultural change on a societal level. And it's even bigger in Europe. Iceland, the UK, Scotland, Portugal, Spain. Serious conversations around the four-day work week are popping up everywhere. The idea is simple. Employees work four days a week. Their wage stays the same, and so does their workload. Recently, a large trial with more than 61 companies and 3,300 employees in the UK was hailed as extremely successful. Productivity stayed up, and the results revealed a drop in the rates of stress and illness among the staff trying a shorter work week. Companies in Japan are also exploring shorter work weeks. And while it's not quite the same, just this year, a proposal by South Korea to increase the number of working hours was confronted with such a huge backlash by millennials and Gen Z, it had to be dismissed. Besides, Alexandra adds that technologies like VR and especially AI are helping us to do more with less. I think that technology absolutely can make people work more efficiently, fewer hours, get done more with less. And this is part of a whole constellation of skills that I call applied technology skills, which means you understand the technology that's available to do your job better and more efficiently. And it's not necessarily that you know how to build software or build an app, but you know that the software is available to, to do something. But what if technology became part of the actual workforce? Will we retire early then? Of course, Alexandra has considered this scenario too. I mean, there was never a point at which we thought um, artificial intelligence was going to come onto the scene and take all human jobs. Like those of us who, who have kind of an understanding of how this works, we thought it would be about as gradual as it is, about as impactful as it is. And I'm very fond of saying that whenever you insert a piece of artificial intelligence into um, a traditionally human-driven process, you still need a human there to figure out how it fits in to manage it, to fix it when it breaks, to figure out how to redeploy it, and to explain its role to decision makers. Okay, so what Alexandra is saying is artificial intelligence has actually created human jobs so far versus taken them away. Okay, that's a relief. So could shorter work hours enabled by our new tech skills lead to new work? My guess, they might. But simply working less won't turn your work environment into a place of self-fulfillment. Let's find out what will. Debating how much time we spend working is one thing. But there's something else knowledge workers are butting heads over right now. After having been able to work remotely for the better part of the last three years, companies all over the world are asking employees to return to the office, if only for a couple of days a week. While some people are happily answering that call, others, you know, the ones that moved across the country matching their work hours to the ebb and flow of ocean waves, 
they're not having it. There is a lot of pushback from employees who are like, no, we don't want to give up our freedom. We enjoy spending this extra time with our family and just um, having a a more well-rounded, well-balanced life. It is a heated debate for sure. And talk show host Felix Seltner thinks that it might be a bit superficial too. You can even see that when you open... Um, the New York Times or, or the Wall Street Journal, you always have opinion pieces. They go either one direction or the other, either one direction or the other. Either it's all going to go back to the office. No, we don't want to go back to the office. While in the middle, there's a conversation that's, comp- that's very much missing, which is people have always craved for fairer workplaces, more flexibility. What Felix is saying, chewing over shorter work hours or where to work from, in the end, people just want a good day at the office or the home office, or even their van, if you will. They want pleasant workplaces. But here's the thing. Even though working fewer hours or working remote might be great for our personal lives, it just doesn't solve all the issues we have with work itself. In the pandemic, when these, you know, these houses fell apart, these these literal houses that organizations had in the physical space, but also the houses of hierarchy and pressure and power and also beauty and serendipity that work all these weird things that workplaces have one thing became very very real to a lot of people and that is bad leadership Ooh, this one's important listen up people because in the virtual you cannot wing it in the office you can wing a lot of things when a meeting is ill prepared you can still sort of wing it you do some small talk here and there you tell some anecdotes and everybody's like ah whatever you get it chatty no chance to do that virtually when you enter a virtual meeting and you don't have a structure and an agenda in place people know that in like seconds and they they already shut off they're on their phones they're on their email they're wherever but they don't listen because they don't you know you're wasting their time Felix was pretty firm on this one, and I think he's got a point. In the virtual realm, you have to prepare because there's nothing to distract people from the fact that you don't know what you're talking about. And he should know, he's the host of a virtual talk show, right? But there's also a towering stack of surveys making it crystal clear. Workers love remote work, but remote meetings, not so much. The silences, the tired jokes, The constant, uh, can you hear me? Can, can you see my screen? Steve, your screen froze. You get it, right? Virtual meetings can be incredibly awkward. Never mind annoying. But it's not just that. And the same is when it comes to, you know, mistreatment and mismanagement, unclear communication. Like all these things that were already boiling in so many workplaces, out of a sudden they were there for everyone to see and feel. Because the virtual strips away all the masquerade and all the, you know, gummy bears and and ping pong tables. And that just might give you a hint why in the past years people have become so dissatisfied with work. Yes, we were able to work from home, spending more time with our families or taking an online yoga class whenever we felt like it. But work? It started to feel increasingly, meh. Why is that? Why does working remotely make us happy, but dissatisfied at the same time? The physical, the in-person interaction, as we all know, is 98% nonverbal 
or 90%, I don't know the exact number right now. When you think about that, the two of us are talking right now, we're doing this remotely, and we are missing out on like 90% of the experience because we're not in the same room. And that is why I also think that the in-person, the physical will always stay the most powerful, the most important, the most relevant to everyone. Am I the only one who feels relieved when he says that? Body language is key. Without the person's physical energy, meanings get muddled, interactions feel weird. But what if, what if, there was a way to make the virtual more immersive and resemble in-person interaction just a bit more? Would that make work better? Hmm, I wonder if this is where the metaverse can give us a 360-degree experience. Okay, so we learned that while we might go back to our offices someday... Remote work is here to stay. But we need to figure out two things. How to develop solid leadership in the virtual realm and how to bridge the digital divide. Thankfully, we're not going to be stuck on Zoom and Teams forever. Enabled by technological advances, we will... Okay, I'm jumping ahead here. Alexandra, you go. In 15 years, I think we're going to be working mostly in the metaverse. I think we're, we'll be working in a mostly virtual world that is simulated so that we feel like it's the real world. The metaverse will be a world just like ours. And I think we'll, we'll use them interchangeably. While Alexandra wasn't convinced that she was going to like it, Felix is very excited about the prospect of working in a virtual environment. So the two of us could actually sit at a cafe in Paris right now or at a bonfire on the beach in California, and we would see each other and we'd be in a, a three-dimensional room and our entire experience of our conversation would be completely different. We could actually memorize it because we had an interaction over a bonfire. It's an incredible experience. And I think that is also why more and more people are going to use it. Huh, intriguing. But there are some drawbacks. Felix told me that he knows many people who regard the metaverse as a fad that will just come and go. But he believes it will coexist with in-person encounters and even make our real-life experience better. Hold on, didn't Felix just say that we miss 90% of interaction when meeting virtually? What's it gonna be, Felix? At Remote Daily, we have a very clear pitch when we go to companies and say, how can you build community in the hybrid era? And we say, virtual is how you charge your batteries. So in the virtual space, when you bring people together in a well-prepared and well-executed way, in a frequent cadence over a certain amount of time, you build very strong connection. And you build points of learning, of exchange, of interactivity, of efficiency, of being together. You're jump-starting the motor. The batteries are full and boom! The physical in-person experience will be so much better. To Felix, that's the future of work in a nutshell. Remote isn't going away, but neither are office buildings. That's why the future of work might be the best of both worlds, a hybrid solution. And in this both-and situation, each and every workplace has its own specific function, building a staircase of connection. You start with the virtual, then elevate the in-person to the next level. I heard somebody say their on-site is the new off-site. What used to be like an offsite where you would take your team and you go to the woods or you go on a beach and you create this amazing, you know, experience for everybody to bond and to learn, you basically have to create that sort of offsite feeling at the office. 
to actually make people want to come back. That scenario takes the off in office to a whole new level. I like it. Okay, so we've talked about work hours. To remote or not to remote, the inability to wing it in the virtual space, bonfires in the metaverse, and job-creating AIs. There's just one thing that we haven't touched upon yet. It's the people who make up the future workforce, Gen Z. Born between 1995 and 2010, they have been dubbed the workers who want it all. And they give it all for the right employer. But if work is just a long run for a short slide, they'll gladly leave for greener pastures. I just had conversations with half a dozen people who are Gen Z. And what's pretty clear when you look at Gen Z is they want it all. (laughs) They want like having a great workplace and then they want to have success and then they want to ha- they want to live like they want to have free time for themselves so they're really like striving for something that i don't think my generation has accomplished and that is that makes me very optimistic many of these values were millennial preferences but for gen z they've become expectations and they're willing to walk away from employers if these needs aren't met so maybe they do actually have some leverage. And Felix was keen to mention something an HR specialist said to him at a workshop the other day. She said, well, imagine we skip the millennials when it comes to leadership positions and we put all the Gen Zers in leadership positions now. Imagine what would happen. And we were all sitting there like, yeah, what, what would actually happen? Like, would they get it done? Like, could they actually be those leaders? Those leaders that have what we say is work-life balance. What a fascinating thought. And I'm still processing this, right? What if Gen Z would take over all CEO posts tomorrow? I don't know, but I'm very optimistic that one day they will, and they will probably do it better than the people who are in these posts today. To all the CEOs who are listening to this, sorry, Felix didn't mean to vex you. Well, maybe he did, but just take it as an inspiration. And maybe ask your kids, nieces, or nephews tonight how they'd run your company. And take notes. Okay, that was a lot to take in. I'm going to need another coffee at this point. Good thing we have that coffee bar up on 5th. I guess office life does have its perks. Although, I wouldn't mind just having a cup of coffee with my colleague in the metaverse. I just wonder if one day the metaverse will be as immersive as enthusiasts say it will be. Like, can we actually wake up and smell the coffee too? Anyways, let's unpack what we heard. When it comes to new work or the future of work, many of us crave more flexibility and personal freedom. And while not everyone seeks the ultimate self-realization in their day job, I think we can agree that we all value recognition a certain work-life balance, and personal well-being. And while working fewer hours or working remotely alone might not be enough to accomplish these goals, our hope could lie with Gen Z and their ideas around making the concept of new work come to life. This was Future Dimensions, a podcast brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Luckily, we meet again in two weeks. In our next episode, I invite you to immerse yourself in the future of music with me. 
and explore how we might experience that energizing feeling of being at a live concert anytime, anywhere we want. That's it from me, your host, Ricardia Bramley. Please don't forget to subscribe, comment, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay tuned and stay curious.